live from the basement in the Alamo. This is the Resistance Broadcast. Welcome, everybody, to the show. It is TRB Live! Thank mm-hmm. you for joining us today. And yes, that was a reference to Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Rest in peace, Paul Rubens. Star Wars fans uh, know him as DJ Rex, right? Yep. Also the tour yeah. guide on Star Tours originally. Um, but uh, yeah, I grew up with Pee-wee, so it was... It was I don't know, it felt very existential and weird seeing like the Pee Wee Herman died. You just always felt like that he was always going to be around. It's like one right, of those. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, uh, but welcome to the show, everybody. If you're joining us live, we appreciate it very, very much. Have a good time in the chat. Super chats are available if you want your comment read on the show, but we hope everyone just has a good time. And make sure if you're not yet, for whatever reason, subscribe to the channel. Uh, or wherever you get this, because a lot of people probably are listening to this on their podcast apps. So make sure you're following us or subscribe there and keep leaving ratings and spreading the word. Uh, it's an odd time. We were talking about this just before we went live. An odd time to, you know, to be a Star Wars fan, especially with the strikes going on and everything. Uh, but we appreciate everyone who's sticking by us and uh, keeping the light on in the base. So we uh, appreciate everyone who is a part of what we do here, TRB. Right. Um, and yeah, speaking of the tr- uh, the strikes and, and everything that's happening, sounds like maybe some progress will be made Friday if there are negotiations negotiations that take place. So hopefully all, all this ends relatively soon and we can get back to full on business. Um, but James and Lacey with me as always. Um, start things off, guys. Did you see that the visual guide for Dawn of the Republic or yeah, Dawn of the Republic visual guide confirmed that that clone trooper that everyone wasn't sure uh, that Tamara Morrison was playing in Obi-Wan was uh, a clone trooper named Nax, who I guess has a bit of a backstory. So that mm-hmm. answers any of the mystery. People were like, oh, who's that? Is that Captain Rex? Is that this person? Right. This person, this person. So it like, could be literally anyone. <laughs> is it Rex? It's Nax. That's what I said. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. Who's next? Yeah. No, Nax. Oh, okay. But and and then you got Tamara Morrison, who's like, I just want to be Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tim. I, I hope uh, he wants. Yeah. I rewatched Obi Wan the last couple days. The full thing. The full thing. I did the rewatch. What do you think? Um, I. <sighs> I kind of had this thought about doing a video where I sort of rant about what's wrong with Obi Wan. <laughs> James, we just got a comment the other day from someone <laughs> saying that we hate Star Wars now, so that makes oh, me laugh. No. James is like, "Yeah, oh right, everything I don't like," and I was like, yeah. "Have I really gotten to that point?" And I'm like, "No, I don't think so. I think we're just at a weird point in Star Wars where we're being honest, like everybody else." But it's, yeah. it's weird to have people tell me I don't like Star Wars. I'm like. We yeah. get both of that though, because yet literally yesterday I tweeted that I love the Rise of Skywalker after I saw someone post a clip from it, and then I get people saying it was like Leia clip, right? Leia training. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's it, it, someone like people were commenting like these the just bored losers who <laughs> don't even follow me. They find my tweet and they're like, "Oh, I bet you do that for free passes to Galaxy's Edge." I'm like, "How dumb." Can Honestly, you, I wish I got free passes to Galaxy's Edge. Disney World and Disneyland are not cheap. But They're- I want that guy to meet the guy who's like, do you guys even like Star Wars anymore? And figure out what we are and let us know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, we love Star Wars. But uh, sometimes 
<laughs> like the Yankees, who are a sinking ship in my life right now. And I'm going to the game Saturday, and I'm trying to convince my brother to make a giant sign that says "Fire Brian Cashman." But are you? Wait, uh, you're going to the game, or he's going to the game? We we both are with oh, my mom fun. and sister. Yeah. Oh, well, that's fun. Family yeah, outing. We're yeah, we're gonna be in the right field bleachers doing the roll call and all that stuff. Um, but I don't know it, it's, it's for me, I have said it before. It's kind of like that. Like I love star Wars so much that I want it to be, I want it to be successful. I want the Yankees to win championships. But when you see that there's something wrong, you voice it. And that's just being honest. And I think that's okay. That's not being negative. That's just being honest. My whole uh, thing is I, I see it as like a friend, like your friend does stupid stuff and you're going to get into arguments about it and be like, what are you doing? But that yeah. doesn't mean you love your friend or care for your friend any less. No, because of that yeah. stupid thing that they're doing. The, the just to take away the thing that I was talking about with Obi Wan is it's not everything that was wrong, but it, it the reason I thought of the idea was because there was one very apparent thing to me that I don't I'm sure it's probably been stated before or in put in different thoughts, but I don't think I really noticed it until I watched it in its entirety. Mm -hmm. There are too many times in the show, and it's a lot. Believe me, I felt like writing the list down, and it was like 10 already, and I was like, it, you know, you'd have to go even further. Too many times in the show where the opportunity to do whatever you want to do as like that character is right in front of them, and they just don't do it. It's like all we have to do, what all Peter has to do is just like, kill Kenobi or walk mm. around the fire or whatever. There's too many times you're like, I just don't understand why this person just doesn't do the thing that's right there. In All right, well, the Vader thing I can get into. Well, I'm just saying, but even, even if you want to really dive into it, you're just sitting there watching. And you're like, Vader wants to, torture him so why is he why does he put him into the fire and then move him out of the fire you know i don't know it just it's frustrating if he, does he it's want like to austin powers him? where they walk tie him around up and the fire go through the fire jump over the fire it's a small thing of fire and there's a droid carrying him away so i mean that's one example just i'm telling you i don't want to get into it i'm telling i you. do though i do <laughs> you well you this is the place the as a star wars podcast this is the place to talk right about. I, then you i use that a bad example out there and be like but you can't respond to this <laughs> can i change the example then no <laughs> no james well, is like okay. why did i start with that one they, they, sh the they shoot one? the security guards and there's a laser gate and they're like how are we going to get past this it's like i can see you that one is around it. I agree. That one's weird. That that one's there, weird. Yeah. Believe me, rewatching it again with that in mind, it's it's constant through the whole show. You're like, I just don't understand. Vader pulls down the whole ship, and then the other ship takes off, and he watches it take off. I'm like, pull down that ship. Like it's just my we biggest have to thing come is up with all these reasons why Reva surviving that isn't doing. Yeah, but it's that just, to me is but, the most glaring one. Is like he lets her her live basically. Like he doesn't kill her and like slice her head off like he does with Dooku or anything. And I'm like, I, yeah, he could have just killed her. I have an explanation of that Vader one too, if you'd like that as well. Um, I'm just picturing the, Austin Powers where, one? where Scott's just like, why don't we just kill him? And they're like, no, we're going to shut the door. I have a gun in that's, my room. I can go get it. <laughs> what Obi-Wan feels like, in my opinion, with that in mind, as you watch through it, it's so many times like people joke around about Leia running away, right? And it's like, that why, is a why are grown adults run. chasing? It's like, just 
get her. Stop this from happening. And it's just frustrating watching. Just it like capture that child. The run yeah. is pretty. However, my daughter now runs, and I could tell you sometimes it's a little tricky. <laughs> well, you're not the fastest runner in the world either. Let's be honest. Okay, first of all, I'm a perfectly fine runner. Second of all, I'm pregnant, so <laughs> maybe you. Uh, <laughs> I know you cannot. You, you cannot. I didn't say that when you're pregnant. I just meant in general. How do you know? You've never ran with me. Yes. 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 When you, you would often run after me at celebration, be like, "I miss hanging out with you." Can't slow down. Just making stuff up now. Uh, no, all but right. at least at least Obi Wan didn't cast Lizzo. So that has that going for it. You it know? Does have I was wondering when he was going to work that in. Yeah, I, I was know. like, "What time code is?" He loves. Look, people loves are going to say like, right. "Oh, oh, you Monday morning quarterback." Now you don't like Lizzo. It's like, <laughs> no, go back. I never liked it from the beginning, and now it's now it's even feels even worse. Obviously, yeah. Um, but anyway. But anyway, yeah, uh, the Leia run is a little ridiculous, and I said that when we first saw those episodes at Celebration, that I was like, it just feels a little weird. Like so many times, they're so close to catching Obi Wan, and he's just like on the other side of the box, and then like the Grand Inquisitor will be like, "Let's go," and she's like, <laughs> "He's right on the other side of the box. What are we doing?" And then he like runs on a ship and gets away. I've never and seen like, James so worked <sighs> up about something like this. <laughs> James is going through his villain era. He's he's making a turn. He's wearing his mall shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, we do have some cool stories to get into. And one that, unless I've been not dialed in as much on social media, we, we I didn't even talk about Nax. So. We just said it. Yeah, well, we na- the Nax thing is pretty straightforward. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not a big deal. It's just interesting because <laughs> people had their theories on who it was. Um, but uh, all those clones are on strike right now anyway. So, yeah, uh, let's get Tamara Morrison back to work as soon as possible. Let's resolve this stuff. Uh, and anyway, <laughs> talk about us... AI. <laughs> one person yeah. does one thing once and then they're set for the rest of forever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Jeez. Um, all right, James, we have the resistance report. We also have a discussion we're going to do a bit later in lieu of uh, instead of like ask the resistance and resistant transmissions that it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, if you see the title of the episode, you know what it's about, but for now it's time to talk some news. Yep. All right. It's the resistance. Uh, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to starwars.com, but every once in a while they update their data bank and sometimes it comes a little early with new information about a show. Uh, And in this case, we got an update on the character Marok, who apparently is a former Inquisitor who now serves as a mercenary for the character Morgan Elspeth. Or um, what does she go by? What's her, um, the... uh, Magistrate. uh, Magistrate, yes. Going to be a cool character um, going forward as she has more to do with the Ahsoka show. But uh, we speculated a lot on this character um, because obviously they look like an Inquisitor, but we can't tell what species they are um, or really much about it. It doesn't look like the character talks much. We thought maybe it might be somebody who's a mercenary on their own uh, or could be someone that's sort of siding um, uh, with these like not Sith people, you know? Uh, so now that we know, uh, they are a former inquisitor, uh, but work for Morgan Elspeth, uh, what are we thinking about this character? John, what are your thoughts with this well, data bank entry? 
Uh, so it turns out Marek in Latin uh, means Ezra. So I think this confirms that this is indeed Ezra Bridger. Um, so all those people who had those wild theories for all these years about this person being Ezra, DJ from TLJ is Ezra. Now we finally have it. We have our right. Ezra. Um, no, what if it is uh, Ezra? I'm, Joke's on you, John. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If it ends up being that, I'm going to laugh so hard. Just clip this out <laughs> and post it. So so here's the here's, here's here's why it can't be Ezra, right? <laughs> it says former Inquisitor, and he was yeah. never an Inquisitor. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. So I, I like this because it confirms that it's not Ezra, first of all. Second, mm-hmm. <laughs> It blurs those lines on the dark side where often we're getting like blur lines with the light side where, you know, Ahsoka Tano, she's like not a Jedi anymore, but she kind of still is. And now we have an Inquisitor who were usually pretty straight on, you know, this is what the Inquisitors are and this is what they're all about and this is what they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's sort of like we have someone who used to be an Inquisitor, uh, sort of like um, what's her name from Obi-Wan Kenobi? I forgot her name. Reva. We don't know what Reva's deal is. Like, I, I don't think this is Reva, but Ma- uh, Marok is actually an uh, an anagram for Reva. Yeah, we we got that with Reva, but we didn't see what happens thereafter. Maybe they're going to tell that story. Maybe they're not. I'm not sure. But in this instance, we are going to see what happens when someone's no longer an Inquisitor. The Empire is gone. Uh, still looking to inflict their hate that they took on from their childhood or whatever onto people. Um, but I I find this Morgan Elsbeth thing interesting because she, according to Ahsoka, works for Thrawn, like, you know, your boss, Grand right. Admiral Thrawn, which means this Inquisitor, former Inquisitor, works for her. Ipso facto, this former Inquisitor works for Thrawn, I would think. So I don't know what that means, but I, I like this. I like this. Is, I think this is very interesting because it's sort of a mysterious character, a mysterious character and... Uh, I want to see how that duel works out between this character. Because I think this character fights Ahsoka in one of the trailers. So I think that's going to be pretty cool to find out who this is. Do they get unmasked? Uh, is there or any is more to them? it a Knights of Ren type thing where they never get unmasked and they're just there? Or they're just, yeah, overhyped or whatever. But I just hope mm-hmm. this isn't one of those um, underutilized characters, like you say, with the Knights of Ren. But I also hope it's not this big twist or anything. I just hope this person is what they say they are in the data bank. There's no second paragraph coming and we just get a cool character, maybe a cool action figure one day. And Ahsoka gets to have a cool fight with this person. And we find out why a former inquisitor is now working for Morgan Elsbeth and potentially Thrawn. Yeah. Lacey thoughts on this former inquisitor. What do you think? Do we know who Balin and Shin work for yet or not really? That hasn't been. Well, they're seen in the trailer with, the magistrate in that like dome world. They used to be Jedi too, or something like that. Balin used to be. I think right, and they used to be. Mercenaries. He used to be. Are, yeah. Are they mercenaries though? Yes. So what if it's this this collective? Like the the goal of Thrawn was, and whether he used the magistrate to employ this or not, was he's to... a lightsaber wielding mercenary for hire. Yeah. So like post Empire post Jedi, post all this, like what if Thrawn's like goal here was to accumulate all these sort of lost souls, so to speak, and mm-hmm. give purpose and hit yeah. their, their purpose is now him. Um, 
that could be the angle because if they are all mercenaries in a weird way, like sort of guns for hire contractor types, but they all. He's work. working with the magistrate it says it says he works with Morgan. Yeah. So that connects because yeah. this person is sort of a mercenary as well. So and they're yeah. quite different than what they used to be because I don't think Balin was ever an inquisitor. Right. So. Former it kind of reminds me of Willow, where you have all these kind of creatures that work for the bad witch lady, mm -hmm. worm or whatever mm -hmm. it is. No, yeah. the witch that then works for the worm. Right. Yeah. Worm is thrown. Yeah. Then you have one person underneath that. Then you have a crew underneath that. It's kind of mm -hmm. like that. But these are all former Jedi then so far. Yeah. He knew Anakin, Balin's school. Yeah. He's in his, his data bank. It's I it, yeah. It's my thought is that, it's oh, go ahead. a guy in a mask. I, I I feel like this has become a thing with Star Wars where it's like, oh, it's someone in a mask. But going off of what I was just saying with the Knights of Ren, it's like I don't know what to expect because those guys were so hyped and so cool, and then nothing right. really came of it. So I don't really know what to expect with this character. Um, similar to what John was just saying, I I hope it's not just like a throwaway like Ahsoka kills him in the first episode, <laughs> him yeah. or her in the first episode. So. We're just like, oh, okay, because <laughs> it does seem really cool. But at the same time, it might be a character that's being used to show how powerful Ahsoka is or how trained yeah. she is and how, you know, there is someone that's coming to save the day, so to speak. There, She can meet the levels of power and strength that Thrawn is coming from a different angle, obviously, not from a Jedi angle. Yeah, it's it, what's interesting to me is that it's a it's a former Jedi or Force user um, because when I look at the images and just the vibe I get from it is exactly that it's Knights of Ren. This is a character they put in the show and it's cool, but they really won't have any sort of big reveal like they're going to take their mask off and it's part of the story or anything like it's that. Luke it Skywalker. Like <laughs> it's a it's sort of a a, a faceless villain, mm. um, but. That makes me wonder why they didn't just make. I mean, we just got a bunch of Inquisitors in a different show. Why not just make that villain? Um, if it's really supposed to be just a mercenary or bounty hunter or something like that, like why not just actually make it a bounty hunter, like a gun wielding, cool new bounty hunter that we've never seen before that was just really good at what they do and was hired by this person to, you know, do whatever this character is actually doing in the show? But it, you know, and then that wouldn't contrast to you have your villains who are like the lightsaber wielding villains. Right, right. So John's theory kind of lines up that maybe there's something to the fact that it's a former Jedi or a lightsaber wielding. And maybe the argument would be, well, that, you know, well, they need somebody who could go up against Ahsoka, but Ahsoka's cleaned out tons of Inquisitors. And then on cleaned top out of tons that, of everyone. <laughs> true. But on top of that, too, like if you're creating a new character, like you could make that bounty mm -hmm. hunter really good and make that bounty right. hunter really give Ahsoka a run for her money. Mm -hmm. But I, what, Magistrate has hired lots of people. She even has those like Magna Guard things, which look like it's the first episode. And mm -hmm. she's like sent those things out to like she had the spear. Her yeah. That goes against uh, lightsabers, the Beskar steel Beskar spear. spear. So right. there must be a reason why she thinks Jedi keep coming after her because she's hiring people that battle Jedi. She's arming herself with Jedi proof weapons. And she's never going to be one that makes all the decisions. Thrawn's right. ordering her as far as, in, you know, we believe Ahsoka's research, you know, what mm -hmm. she said, like, I'm looking for your mm -hmm. boss, Grand Admiral Thrawn. 
Mm-hmm. Thrawn doesn't seem like the type of per- he's such a calculated person. He plans things out ahead like a chess match. He's not mm-hmm. just going to employ someone and be like, do it. Yeah, handle it how you usually do. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll figure it out. So my thing is he's ordering her. All right, you got to make sure you we stock you up with people who could f- defeat fend off Jedi because the Jedi just ended the Empire. They the, the, This Jedi kid killed the Emperor killed vader yeah. you know whatever we it's so need... particular that she's protecting herself with these people that are but thrawn, thrawn may think that like it could be a paranoia thing he may think the jedi are way more viable and vital than that than the galaxy's leading on there could be that mm-hmm. the other um, the other interesting makes thing crazy. is thrawn is probably the only person who actually knows what happened to ezra yeah correct yeah yeah and so, also so like saying this is how you need to build up your army because I know that kid's still out there or, yeah. you know, whatever. I know how powerful he is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also the surface level element of it, they want to give us some cool f- fights and duels. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, he have... looks go- it looks like Darth Maul in Phantom Menace where you're just like, yeah, it's just scary villain. Like we know we're going to see Ahsoka versus Balin as the big main event on the card at the end of the season, probably. So early on, we need something and she's going to fight this character, maybe Shin, uh, you know, we'll see. So I, I think just on the like we went over like the nerdy lore deep options, but also on the surface level, just do some cool stuff and give us some cool action scenes with a lightsaber duel. I right. think that's a great point, a great place to put this versus like a gun toting, you know, sniper or something. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's just like, to me, I think, and this might be wrong, James, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm getting a vibe from you, James, and I kind of feel the same way, is that they have so many people that are lightsaber trained, so that it's like, how many people is Ahsoka going to fight with lightsabers? You know what I mean? Because it gets so many. Right, she's in the fights too, so it's like... yeah. My assumption is Ahsoka kills Balin and uh, and uh, Sabine Sabine. kills Shin. Yeah, and somebody kills the magistrate because I think Mark (laughs) is going to be a throw. You think she makes it out of that too? Who the magistrate? I think the magistrate is going to stick around only because they've already discussed season two, so they kind of need her to kind. Yeah, I could also see Thrawn. like using up, like getting everything he needs to out of Elsbeth, and then when he feels like she's of no worth to him, like killing her or having her. Oh, he kills her. Oh, yeah, that's because he is ruthless. They say yeah. that. In his and like you know all my secrets. I've exhausted you as a resource. Yeah, kind of like mob style. Or like, or yeah. or she's somewhat sneaky and nefarious. I, I like sort of in it on her own and he like is able to use his ability of reason and all this other stuff to figure all that stuff out and he's like no 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 you've been going by my back for weeks you think i didn't notice blah 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 kind of thing oh yeah balin mm. may be the one to to kill him fourth kill her fourth thrawn where she's like wait 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 right yeah. I, I gave you this job and he's like <laughs> the, he pays me more Blang. Yeah. <laughs> he like, pays me more Duh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a way cooler voice of course yeah. from the late great Ray Stevenson. Um, well, speaking of people who 
were paid less than other people, most likely. I don't oh, know. No. I don't know how to approach oh, that. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, well, we got word this week uh, that Justin Simeon, uh, who was the former writer and showrunner for, uh, or no, not showrunner, but writer at least for um, Lando. Uh, we know he's been talking a lot about how he hasn't been keeping up with Lucasfilm, how, you know, there has been no communication. But then when that story ran about Donald Glover and his brother writing the show, uh, and they're not going to be moving forward with Justin, he found that out via social media. Uh, that's how disconnected he was from Lucasfilm. Uh, so I'm going to start with Lacey on this one. What are, you, what are your thoughts on... I don't even know what to say. This, it's not really the firing of, but it's like the, the, the way that the whole thing was handled with this person. Yeah. Lucasfilm slash Disney totally ghosted this guy. Is that a haunted, um, haunted mansion joke? It isn't. But now that you're saying it, <laughs> I did that on purpose. Um, no, it's, it's crazy. And when we talked about the story last week, when we were like, oh, you know, he's talking about on the red carpet of the Haunted Mansion about how he doesn't know what's going on with Lucasfilm. And then literally we found out that night or the week before we were talking about that. Then that last week we yeah. found out about J Donald Glover and his brother. And we were like, oh, this is great. But we, I think we all collectively know that show business, the way it operates is that you're in and then you're out. Look at Damon Lindelof. Like you're working on something, you put all your love into it. And then they're like, you gotta go. It's not an unknown thing, but the way that this has been carried out has been very sketchy and very weird because you have um, Justin who was announced with the show and a photo of the Millennium Falcon during Investor Day 2020 when we were all freaking out collectively. We're like, oh my God, this is so much content. We finally felt like we were getting the Marvel treatment. We were getting all these shows and upcoming things and you know, the the basically five to 10 year plan for Lucasfilm, probably more like five, but, and he was part of this. And I remember the three of us collectively were very confused because they didn't announce it with Billy Dee Williams or Donald Glover. And we were like, well, clearly that's the solo version of Money and Falcon. It's all brand new. So right. it has to be Donald Glover, but he's not attached to it. And then this past spring, we're hearing quotes from Donald Glover saying, you know, I got to feel good about it. I got to feel like it's worth my time. If there's one thing I've learned about COVID, it's like, making the most of your time and, and valuing what you're doing. And if I don't care about it, I'm not going to do it. So James, I'm going to let you chime in about what you kind of discovered yourself this past week after this came out. Cause I feel like you had a really good point last week and you were like, maybe I was right. Question mark. Um, but it, it sucks, you know, and to see that the way he found out about this was through social media and him sharing it to his Instagram story being like, by the way, this is how I'm finding out right now. This is me finding out. It's just not good. It looks bad on everyone involved. It looks bad on Lucasfilm, Disney, even Donald Glover. Because if you're Donald Glover and you were even in talks with this person or not, you think that you would at least give them he, a heads up. He read it. He knew that somebody else had this script, you know? Right. I'm saying even if you haven't come face to face with Justin, you would still give them a heads I'm a up. I'm agreeing with you. Like Donald yeah. Glover knew this guy was yeah. attached. He read his yeah. script, he, you know, and yeah. he agrees to rewrite it, but at no point. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's like Donald saying, I'll take the part and then leaving that up to somebody else. Like maybe Donald Glover has a, a, a statement here soon that's going to be like, <laughs> 
I didn't, I didn't know that they, they didn't tell him, you know, I assumed that all it was all handled properly. Yeah. But Danny makes a good point in the comments. Thanks, Danny. She said investor day has become my trigger word. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, speaking of comments, we do have a super chat you want to get to that real quick. We do. Um, so before we continue this conversation, I do want to give a shout out to Diamond Figs. Thank you so much for the super chat, which by the way, if you guys aren't following Diamond Figs on Instagram, you should be because they do an amazing job cutting together like basically the hottest takes in Star Wars from all different people, George Lucas, <laughs> a Filoni, this kind of stuff. And they cut them into like really bite-sized, wonderful minute or short videos nice. that are easy nice. to take in. And I know the three of us have shared their stuff before. So it's like uh, Diamond Clips. Yeah. So thank you for the super chat. And they said, love this chat. The Ahsoka hype is real. I'm a big fan of y'all's. Keep killing it. You keep killing it. Thank, thank you so much. You. We appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I know Diamond Figs had shared a bunch of this stuff about George Lucas that we were talking about with his comments about studios and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for the super chat. We really appreciate it. But yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, Jedi Force Podcast said such a Lando move. It is kind of a Lando <laughs> Glover to kind of take this show. But at the same That's time, a good like, point. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't like I don't blame Donald. It's not his responsibility, but at the same yeah. time, like maybe give him a heads up because this is just bad taste but that's on disney and lucasfilm and i just feel so bad for this guy because he said openly that he put a lot of creativity he only heard good feedback everyone loved it and as a human being you have to think like wow that would make me feel terrible <laughs> if mm -hmm. you did all this work you did all these things and everyone's giving you good feedback and then years later you're being told via an instagram post that not nah, your app like that Kathleen Kathleen Kennedy is sort of the Lando in this situation because it's like she invites Justin Simeon over for dinner and he walks into the room and there's Donald Glover and he's like, I'm sorry. She didn't even do that, though. He arrived just before you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justin she Simeon's didn't... like, I'm sorry, too. <laughs> yeah. She didn't even do that, though. She didn't even send the invite. She just No, I know. I'm just going for the old Empire what, reference. But... What Lacey was talking about is, you know, we, when the story dropped that he found out on social media... I wrote to the, our private chat. I was like, man, the more that comes out about this, I feel like my conspiracy theories on how this all was being handled is more and more right. Because oh. over the past couple of weeks, I had been saying like, I think they read this and they were nice. They're like, oh, it's great. We can't wait to work with you and all this stuff. And then like behind his back, they're like, this thing kind of stinks. Donald or did Donald didn't yeah. like it. Or yeah. yeah. And it's like, we just, we, we, this isn't what we want for the show at all. And, it, mm -hmm. and they just never told him. And he's had no communication with them while they're privately like, dude, we're just going to rewrite this thing. We're going to figure it out. Donald. Oh, you, you and Steven, you're going to do it. Okay, cool. That's great. Look, totally. You know, and just not communicating with him. And then it's it's probably just been down to Donald saying, I'll do it, we'll do it, but it's like we're, we're going to need some time to finish up everything else that I'm doing, and it's probably going to be a year or two from now before I'm actually available. I wasn't planning on rewriting the show and doing all this extra work with it. That's why right. I agreed to it in the first place. But yeah. after reading that, no, I'm not going to sign on if you're going to make me do that. I don't like that. Um so that's where they're at. And that's why we probably haven't heard anything because Donald just being like, yeah, I'm, I'm in talks, but uh, it's got to be right. We got, you know, we can't do something bad, which is like the script we read. Yeah. We don't like it. Um, and all that to be said, too, is like, you know, I don't really know what the reviews are on Haunted Mansion, but it's that same thing that has been said 
time and time again on this podcast is like if someone's brought on to a project and in between the announcement and the release of that project, they put out something else that's not well received, especially if it's on Disney camp, you know, like they can see it. They can see what's going on with it. It, you know, I don't think people like the Haunted Mansion or the way that it's going there either. And so they're like, I think this was made long before that, though. But I agree with you, James. I'm sure that played into it. I mean, even if it was the script for Haunted Mansion that was written Mm -hmm. two years ago. Right. uh, right. If I remember correctly, he said they were going to take a little bit of time off so that he could work on Haunted Mansion. They were like, cool. And then like during that same time, they're like (laughs) weighing all their options. They're like, I don't think this is going to work out. So that was my hot take. But um, what are you thinking, John? Um, I thought I remember reading in whether it was Jeff Snyder who broke this or someone else or Variety had like more details that this came into play last last summer, like a year ago. Right. Yep. Like that, that was Snyder's report. Yeah. That, it, so that they actually were working with Donald but a year ago. Let's not forget that Lucasfilm probably didn't want to reveal this. So like reporters got the information and Snyder puts it out. Um, doesn't mean it's not true, of course, because he's been right about almost everything he's been reporting. But Lucasfilm's probably like, oh, crap. As soon as this came out, we never told Simeon that he's out because we were still seeing if this is going to work with Glover. And they probably were spinning too many plates. Someone gets that. That's the thing about Lucasfilm. There's this antiquated, antiquated like belief that they can protect their information. They can't. They can't. And they have to like be more forthright. Take the risks behind the scenes where you say like, sorry, Justin, you're out. We're going to see what Donald brings to the table for his own show. If it doesn't work out, fine. But you can't have someone finding out he is no longer on a project three years later after it's announced when he was working on it even a year or two before that. So you're talking about five years. This guy's thinking he's investing his time, career, soul, a part of his soul into this show to find out online like that's where where else horrible. did this happen? This is not this was not the first time somebody else found and I feel like it was Star Wars related. They found out they were not coming back or something online. Uh, it was Tim story. Oh, Tamara Morrison, maybe that he wasn't in. Um, yeah, he in fa- he found out during when after they'd wrapped filming, he was like, oh, I was waiting on a call and they never called me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that could have been it. But he was like, I'm waiting over here. Hi. <laughs> and, you know, Justin Simeon, like he he is taking the classy route and he's like still rooting for Donald and Steven to do a great job with this show and all that stuff. Now, you know, he's probably so pissed off at Disney. Um, first of all, I don't even think Honda Mansion was marketed all that well. I don't know if it's good or not. I hope it does. well. I didn't they him, wait. But- I still don't understand why they didn't wait for Halloween. I that too. But <laughs> he has to be pissed at disney which means the lando show is going from enemies to glovers apparently <laughs> i i are so ridiculous i'm gonna take a random stab at that halloween thing i think they knew it was bad and they knew that whatever's coming out around halloween time was gonna win was so they're gonna put it out now when they have no I know, it's just so Halloween weird, competition. I know because but even then with the competition, I agree with you, James. I think that's a good point. But I I feel like even with the competition of what's coming out around Halloween, that's just a Halloween related movie. So like you have more people that are like, hey, I'm in the Halloween mood. I'm gonna go see right. this yeah. Halloween movie. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's just it just it's, it's really bad because like 
I immediately put myself in his shoes and I'm like, if I was working on something like this and it was like a dream job project for me and I was so passionate about it and then to find out this way, it stinks. And especially if they move forward with like some of his ideas, but not all of his ideas. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know what? And I, I hate to, I hate to harp on the wrong thing, but I have another idea why they're releasing it now is because <laughs> Disney Plus's release of it is probably more important. So it will come out on Disney Plus mm-hmm. around Halloween, and they mm. could probably get some generation know. around that streaming service. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> I'm, that, I'm stretching, but... but I'm trying to make it make sense. Yeah, it's a, it's all very strange. It's Mandoween. It... Mandoween changed yeah, the they're... release date of. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a bummer to hear that that's how he found out, and he obviously would not post that unless that was true. And I'm glad he did post that because yeah, Me he took the classy route by saying he is rooting for Donald and Stephen, and I believe he is. But he managed um, his own PR, like he took it into his own, like he didn't wait for I'm someone else to it. ask him. I'm yeah. glad he said it because that is bringing something that's problematic behind the scenes to the surface and letting yeah. fans, uh, you know, we again root for Star Wars real hard, but. We've been critical of Lucasfilm and how they handle stuff. And it allows people who um, just say everything's great and you're over you're over exaggerating this critique and whatever to see like this guy was completely blindsided. And and it's just like it sucks. I feel horrible for him. It's terrible. Yeah. But I hope I hope I do believe that the show's in good hands. I do think we are going to get this series. I do think it's going to be good. Um, my only hope is that this looks like the real avenue for a potential follow-up for Solo. So I mm-hmm. hope if, if it's a season or two seasons or whatever it is, you get some Han and Chewie in the mix there and, and we get to sort of get that closure because all those loose threads, like Kira, Maul, all that stuff, would be a great place to do in the Lando show because really, Lando's a supporting character for Star Wars and I think uh, peppering in other storylines around what's happening in his life would be a smart way to go, but we'll see. Yeah, this uh, all, all of this got me to start Atlanta at least, and I hear that 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 it's pretty good. And I'm almost through the first season now, so I, nice. I just kind of wanted to see what the two of them oh, writing, yeah. yeah, for his portrayal of, of a character. You know what I mean? And he also has that, that community movie that he's working on. He's in the community movie too. I never saw. I I think I watched like half of. He's great. Of community he's or hilarious. Yeah. Oh my god, he's so good. Um. Well, I'm starting to believe what people say about us not liking Star Wars anymore because we're going to talk about this from a certain <laughs> point of view. Jeez. <laughs> what? Is this what guy which about? one of us is going to like this? Which one of us <laughs> is going to have a great James time? Is, James is wilding tonight. He's going wild. <laughs> Uh, no, we, we know that the, from a certain point of view, return of the Jedi book is coming out and they did Del Rey did their excerpts. They did a bunch of them, um, where, you know, it says like, this is the character that this, uh, author is writing. Here's a small little excerpt to kind of give you an idea of, of, uh, all the different stories that we're going to be covering. If you don't know, I'm sure everybody watching this knows, but for the 40th anniversary of the movie, they do 40 stories by 40 different authors from 40 perspectives of characters or I get anything sentient I assume in in Star Wars um, right. we've gotten one book for New Hope another one for Empire Strikes Back and this is the at least for now final one um, until we get ones for prequels maybe but um, yeah I, I I don't particularly care for these stories 
anytime that I have, like I read the first one and I think I read segments of the second one, but anytime, even the stuff that I feel like is kind of important, it gets made fun of too often as being just such an insignificant, weird thing that they did for that, um, that it's not even really worth talking about. And for the most part, I find that most of the stories are just kind of exactly that, like a sort of who cares um, pseudo canon. Um, and in a lot of cases, too, it feels and and maybe I'll leave this for John, but it, it's sort of a too many cooks in the kitchen for to write Star Wars. Like now, all of a sudden, there's too many perspectives. Um, and that goes with a lot of the books and comics that have been happening for a while. Um, Sans maybe like maybe High Republic because there's been sort of a core group of people who've been writing a lot of it, so they're kind of staying structural there. But yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know, John. What are your thoughts on some of the new segments and, and I, the, the book? This book coming out. So I have I have the one from the a new uh, New Hope. I have that one that, too. Yeah, the New, new York Comic Con exclusive. Mm-hmm. It's signed by Pablo and I think Jason Fry. What year there. did that come out? I think they came out. Well, what do you know? Twenty seventeen, because it was. Yeah. So that you know, it's wild when John's holding up that book. That means John and I were both at New York Comic Con and buying that book, but didn't know each other. Right. Well, you knew me, but I didn't know you. No, I didn't. Didn't you know that you were like, oh, that guy's at the TLJ premiere? Remember? Yeah, but I said that guy. I don't know who you are. Oh, I said so you were that, like that who, guy. My, the point of that story is, I don't know who this guy <laughs> is. I don't know why he's there, but I'm going to be there. Hmm. But it was me. And little so did right. you know. Listen, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I got to be careful with this because I don't want to make people like feel like that I'm attacking them, that they got this opportunity and stuff. I'm happy that, you know, people got a chance to, you know, write a short story in these books. I don't think these should be considered canon. Um, I think they would be served better and received better uh, by me anyway as fun like here was here here's a fun idea Ma- imagine this sort of thing as opposed to now if the, the, these are canon right they 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 consider these canon i believe i so. believe so yeah and so th- now they're I'm all competing to, to make like the standout story so all of their stories I are know, a little but, bit crazy but now 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 after all these decades and years and george lucas you know clearly never had this thought now, now the Sarlacc was just misunderstood and wasn't hungry and actually just wanted to communicate with people. And I'm just like, what are we doing? How, like, <laughs> w- like seriously? Like, why can't a, a thing in the sand just be a monster in the sand? Like, Boba Fett just blew that thing to high hell a year ago on the book of Boba Fett. Was that thing like, no, no, wait, I want to be your friend. Hang on, wait yeah. a second. Boba Fett's the bad guy now because he took, if you read the Sarlacc's backstory, he's really nice. And Boba Fett killed him in cold blood. I just like (laughs) everything, like every villain is either like misunderstood and now like sand creatures are misunderstood. Like the, 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 the Tusken Raiders were misunderstood. It's just like, does everything have to be misunderstood? Can there just be things in the Star Wars galaxy that just do bad things or like just like there, it's a creature that likes eating stuff like on earth like i don't i just and i'm i'm not trying to go on a big rant here i just don't get why it's canon if 
like I don't think George Lucas ever created the Sarlacc and was like, so in 50 years, we're going to have this big reveal where it turns out this thing just wanted to shake hands with people and it actually was uh, not hungry at all. It actually didn't like to eat. And then in Return of the Jedi, the thing eats Boba Fett and burps. It's just like, I I don't know. I'm happy for the people who got the right for it. I think that's really awesome. Um, but I just don't think this stuff should be canon. I like They're just pulling in people because they know someone who I don't know that they like someone who's never written a novel before and they're all of a sudden writing canon Star Wars. Like, what are we doing? Seriously, what are we doing? So that's my take on it. I, uh, I'm probably not going to buy it. I sound like a grump about it, but it just start. They, 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 you can't act like Star Wars canon is so precious where you don't recast Luke Skywalker to, to keep the suspension of disbelief that that's Mark Hamill. Uh, that's luke skywalker like the luke skywalker and then say this stuff is canon though uh, a stormtrooper talking about having crotch itch for riding a dewback that's that's canon now you need to understand that it's just like i don't get that i i just don't you can't tell me it's such a precious storyline and you're trying to preserve george's story and 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 it's so important to keep these canon threads and we have a story group to make sure it's all right and then be like Oh, we're just going to make up the story about this creature that never existed ever. And now it's canon because I know Dennis and he's going to write this story now. It, uh, it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm, I don't mean that people are going to give me flack for it. It's just that's just how I feel. That's my honest truth. It, it Well, I'm going to I want Lacey to get in here. But the only thing I was going to say was it, it seems like a book that would be perfect to say it's not canon. You know? Because it's just like fun stories to celebrate the old movie, and we're not taking it too seriously, you know. But yeah, Lacey? I, <laughs> I, I. Okay, let me let me collect my thoughts with this. The these stories, I think, are a fun collection of stories for people to enjoy that care about them i think there's a group of fans that really like these kind of weird quirky stories mm-hmm. um which i appreciate on a level of like if that's what you love if you love these kinds of things the high republic like all these other books that i don't gravitate towards i'm happy for you and, and i'm happy that you're, you're you know you're getting these stories and the people that are excited about their stories are getting to tell them i think that's the baseline of where i am that being said as a star wars fan i feel like We've gotten to the point, and a lot of people are saying it in the chat right now about, you know, the EU and everything that got thrown out, is that we're getting to a point that we're kind of losing the intrigue of Star Wars. Like, I think you hear John Favreau and Dave Filoni talk about, or even J.J. Abrams talk about when they were little, they would get action figures and there'd be characters with no information about them and they'd just be in the back and they'd look cool. And so then you got to make up stories in your head and play with your toys and like come up with ideas of what that character, <laughs> hey John, come back later, John, yeah, uh, what that character would be like and what they'd be involved in. And it kind of not made it your own, but let you explore Star Wars in your own way. And I think that's what a lot of these authors are doing in their own way with these stories. But by doing this, you're kind of taking something away from someone else that likes that character or likes that moment or likes that thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, James, you made a really good point of oftentimes what happens with these stories and I think in the books in general from what I've read so far this past year 
is every author is trying to be the first author that did blank in Star Wars. Like it's, mm. oh, I want to be the first person that's ever done this with a character. I want the, to be the first person that did this so that they have their like kind of moment in Star Wars history so that they get to say that that's my stamp on Star Wars instead of just telling a good story. And I feel like that's where I'm kind of kind of tripped up on because instead of focusing on like, hey, this is my opportunity to tell a brand new story with brand new characters and like make it my own they're trying to either change or put their stamp on stuff that's already happened and or characters in stories that have already been told. And I just don't think that we need more stories about things like, you know, the Sarlacc pit. I think mm -hmm. it gets to a point when you're telling stories like this, that are they fun? Sure. Are they like, you know, kind of just like a cute little story? Sure. But at the same time, you're like, okay, but is there no other story that could have been told about Star Wars? Like, why are we putting energy I mean, and time into that specific story? For me, I yeah. I know why they're doing it because it's this. It's supposed to be a celebration of the movie, so that's why. That's just the way that they've. I just sort feel of like it's too much, it. and I feel like this right. with a lot of fandom in general, not just Star Wars. Like my criticism and critique is for everything, whether it be Harry Potter, Star Trek. Batman, Marvel, Lord of the Rings. I feel like we've spent, and this is probably going to lead into our discussion in a little bit. I feel like creators, as in storytellers, uh, you know, writers, stuff like that, they're spending so much time trying to fill in all the gaps of all these stories that we love so much to kind of milk it that it's losing kind of the intrigue and magic of not knowing. And I feel like that kind of leads to the importance and kind of protection that we've felt about Yoda is like Yoda is this intriguing unknown species. We don't know where he came from. We don't know his whole story. And that's because George wanted it that way. He didn't really want you to know what the deal was. He's kind of untouchable and that yet they're putting him in everything now. So you're like, wait, hold on. He's supposed to be this character that we don't really know much about. Uh, and now you're filling in all the blanks. And I feel like these yeah. stories in general are taking away that intrigue for me of what if. And that's just my own personal opinion. No, I agree. I've been saying that for a long time that every time I see Yoda, it's not as special. It's just like it's like people who live in Orlando and you're like, I'm going to Disney. I'm so excited. And they're like, ugh. Or New York yeah. near us. Like I've been to New York and people are like, oh, we, you know, traveled across the country to go see New York. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> But I, yeah. I understand that people that aren't from here have never seen New York. So it's like a yeah. new experience for them. Yeah. So I try to stay positive on these things because I understand a lot of work and creativity and, you know, Absolutely. time went into these things. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate the love and joy of Star Wars that goes into these books. But as someone that likes it a little bit more ambiguous and not so I guess focused on what am I going to be the person that makes you know this first thing in canon happen because I feel like that's what they're all doing all the time 
I, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a good way to put it. I, I was saying something similar in the sense of like, they're all, you've got 40 authors and they, they all feel like they have some sort of competition to have. Yeah, they have to have that, out. that moment. Yeah. So they're yeah. like, all right, well, what can I do, you know, to, to make this, um, sort of a, a, a more fun or more elaborate version of, uh, what of, would be normally be a very boring story because this character wasn't part of the story at all, you know? Um, and I, I, I really don't have a lot of beef with the book. Um, like, I, I'm not completely shutting it out because it is canon. I think that's really like the biggest thing for me is like, I just kind of don't understand why they're making it canon. It seems like the perfect book to just be like, let's just have some fun. And and whether it's canon or not, I, I almost feel like if they said it wasn't canon and was just a celebration fun thing, you would see more sales because it's I like vision then you don't come yeah. at it with this lens of like oh it has to all connect it all has to make sense everything yeah, has to i be think explained. they think that because it's canon they'll sell more mm. mm -hmm. yeah i i feel like that's sort of what i'm trying to say anyway it's like i think you are john people are like like it frustrates me when people or like, don't take it so seriously. I'm like, I don't, but don't. But it's okay if you do. So that's the thing that always bothers me is when people say, don't take it so seriously. Don't. But my look. point is, but some people do. This is their life. This is who they've become. This I is, right. I agree. This means a lot to them. Like, there's a lot of terrible things in this world. Someone being passionate and caring about Star Wars is not something that they should be criticized for. So I think that people need sure. to walk that back a little bit. I'm not saying you're saying that, John. I'm saying in general. When people say, oh, you take this so seriously, like it's just about space wizards. And like I've said that to people when they're literally telling me to like go die. Like that's one thing. But if someone's telling you like, hey, I don't like this book and you're like, it's not that serious. Like, okay, they're not they're allowed to not like things and they're right. allowed to have criticisms about something they really care about. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, they, they clearly take canon very seriously at Lucasfilm. They have entire departments to make sure that these stories make sense. Right. So for me, you can't do that and then say like, we're just going to pull these people in and this person who wrote this book knows somebody. So they're going to just let them write this story. And it's also going to be canon. And this whole canon thing, it's like, so what George Lucas wrote in 1977 is just as canon as this story that this guy who's never written before just wrote. And that to me doesn't make sense. That's all I'm saying. Um, so yeah. Um, I think we can put a bow on this story. Let's <laughs> put the bow on the story. Um, before we get into the discussion, uh, we do, I believe have a super, a super chat. chat. Yes. So Luke count Pepto, our buddy, how's it going? Thank you so much. He said, Hey guys, hope you're doing well after this week's, uh, did you ever notice the segment? Uh, what's it called, John? Did you see that? Did you see that? Right? Did you see that? Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, who's your favorite background pod racer? James, I'm going to start with you. Oh, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> That's um, a good question. Yeah, I, I really don't have a good answer to that. I, I remember when... Um, the uh, schmodown was going around. I was like, "Oh, I got to know all these guys." So I like went and learned them. And in that in that time frame, I was like, "I don't think I really ever even glanced at these characters for the most part, let alone try to learn like their names and all the details of their stuff." 
Um, but we actually, we talked on the show about Clegg Holdfast and he is sort of a standout considering hundred percent. Yeah. Is that's yours too? Yeah. Yeah. There's just something about the way that he just seemed, um, he didn't seem like a character we had seen before. You know, there, there's a couple other ones that just feel like we've seen someone like that before, but this one, he kind of has this like, I would love a Clegg Holdfast figure or something because his swagger is unmatched like he's well, wearing these medals of these pod races he won but he, to me in my head canon which is not real canon is that he's raced like 500 times but he won like three and he's like he's like he just walks around in general public like hey i win pod races i wear these all the time you know i like i'm i don't know if luke considers that background because he does get introduced and they show him with his little medals on but i'm going with clegg clegg is my oh, guy I, I think so as long as he it's has not a the bulba i think oh i gotta get that figure i gotta get that mm-hmm. figure. Lacey, i i, I wasn't clegg a part of this here. monday episode which guys if you haven't listened to it, go back these guys did a great job um i don't know what what counts as a background like anybody but anakin or Sebulba, anybody probably. but Anakin or Sebulba. I like Ben Quadraneros. I just think he's oh. so funny. <laughs> yeah, I like Ben. Yeah, he always made he me laugh. He definitely does have a toy, uh, John. I gotta right. get. Yeah, I gotta get that. All right, cool. John's a collector now. Luke, no, you just there's made John a, a collector. There's no. a box with one, two, three, four, five, five or six Pod Racer pilots. Like it was just all of them. Oh, so nice. it looks like an old one though. I'm gonna have to. Um, I'm gonna have to pick up a Clegg Holdfast. Go on eBay. eBay yeah. it up. Dud bolt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought something on eBay. I never buy things on eBay, but I bought this Bret Hart figure. Oh my uh, gosh, I remember that. I used to have all these wrestling figures, but I never got the Bret Hart one. And now that I'm adult, I'm like, I'm gonna own that to like rectify my youth. <laughs> Is it funny <laughs> that you're buying action figures on eBay and I buy like? christmas stuff on ebay all the time i don't buy it like that's the first thing i, I don't really oh, buy, i think i love christmas stuff all retro yeah. christmas stuff all the time christmas in july just like halloween in july i know imagine. i know although I it's know. august now how about that yeah yeah bananas and i also bought my Pretty- first apple butter honey candle from home goods the other day so if anybody's yep. looking for them they're there uh best scent ever i imagine that's what clegg Holdfest smells like Apple butter, honey, apple butter, honey, (laughs) cinnamon. All right, guys, uh, let's move on to the discussion. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. All right. So our discussion this week is not going to be like one of our long discussions because uh, we usually save those for Mondays, but um, definitely want to Gillerin on this one because it has to do with um, sort of how movies are marketed and how they're put together. And we always liked talking about this stuff. Um, So when you think about it, while we watch movies expected to do well, fizzle out at the box office, like Indiana Jones just did, unfortunately, The Flash, famously, uh, Mission Impossible, even I think maybe under performing to some people's expectations, there are still signs that people will go to the theaters if they feel compelled enough to do so if it feels like something they need to be a part of uh barbie and oppenheimer are great examples both of which seem to have found their way into everyday discussions leading up to their Mm -hmm. release 
where some people legitimately had no idea an Indiana Jones movie was coming out. Um, so has has the nostalgia bubble burst? Can can movie studios no longer rely on the warm and fuzzy memories just to get people in the theaters? Like, oh, it's Harrison Ford, they'll show up for it. Because Indiana Jones really, aside from the Applebee's thing, uh, they really, in my opinion, was marketed terribly. There was no social media effort. Um, I know the the strikes hurt with the late night shows. You know, Harrison Ford telling a joke on Fallon would probably put some more butts in seats. But I I do feel that Lucasfilm needs to modernize, or maybe it's Disney. You know, maybe it's both. Modernize how they market stuff, and that part of that is creating almost activities or interactive buzz on social media and let it market itself. Now, granted, Barbie had reportedly $150 million just marketing budget. Yeah. So it had that. But also, like the thing where people can uh, change the name of the Barbie font and like, or put their face in a Ken doll or, you know, whatever it is, like let people say like, I'm going to do my version of this and do the viral stuff. Like that stuff's important. And I haven't really seen uh, Star Wars or Indiana Jones or a lot of Disney stuff do that type of marketing. So the marketing paired with, are people just kind of tired of nostalgia? Like the two movies that are out right now doing the best are not sequels. Now, Barbie's a big brand. I completely understand that. Generations have passed down the idea mm-hmm. of Barbie to I their think, kids. But I think that Barbie's an example of how it's still working. Yeah, and Oppenheimer, Actually. again, not a sequel. But the movies that were sequels or you know roots of some sort of EU or whatever aren't doing well so has the nostalgia bubble burst are people tired of nostalgia are people like need a break from it so uh, we don't have to spend too much time on it maybe 10 15 minutes before we get out of here but what do you guys think go ahead james you start i yeah i think that that concept that you're proposing john is something that can't ever happen actually um it's to me I know this is sort of a, I sort of had this whole debate when John sent over the topic today. I was like, oh man, you know, and I kind of was like internally like going through it all in my head and there's Mm -hmm. so much, it's such a, it's such a radical way to think of it, but every single thing we do, like all the music we listen to, the friends we make, the, the, you know, uh, the food we eat, all of it has at least some sort of spectrum of nostalgia. That's why we do it because we wouldn't want to eat. We wouldn't be eating that food because I'm not that's talking about not. I'm talking about just movies, though. I know, but I'm saying that's why every movie that we watch has something that is trying to appeal to audiences, even if they're trying to be artistic and and radically different and do something that isn't pop. You know what I mean? It isn't like big blockbuster or whatever. I want to be artistic and I want to do something different with. Uh, this medium it's still going to have these hints of things that like make people feel good because that's how you make a movie right Mm -hmm. um and not happy but but like make me feel good that when i walked out of the theater i was like wow that was really well done sort of thing because you could just shoot iphone footage for two hours and it could be a black screen and you could say that's a movie and it's like not good it's got to bring forth something that reminds you of other movies that you like and when we get into this context of like nostalgia, you know, not working, it's like, well, we sort of have this evidence. In my opinion, Barbie is a nostalgic thing. They're very clearly saying we need something from people's childhood that we can put in front of their face and say, go see this because you're already familiar and you already have a good feeling towards Barbie. So that's going to help sell this new concept. 
something like the Super Mario Brothers movie, also very, very successful. Just something from your childhood that they're putting out there. Um, but there are examples of when that fails. And I think when things like that fail, it's easier to be like, oh, I'm so over this, or it's that's clear evidence that it doesn't work. But we sort of ignore in in, in a lot of times, like when it is working, you know, these mm-hmm. these sequels and these uh these brand properties, you know, when they work, we don't test it up to man nostalgia's on fire but when they fail we say like we're just so sick of uh these companies reusing this stuff all the time stop come up with something original so they put out an original movie that really doesn't <laughs> tie in with anything and nobody goes and sees it so yeah well, rarely i want to toss the lacy but i think it pairs yeah. like nostalgia does work but you also need to market what you're doing and not yeah, rely the on marketing nostalgia. definitely yeah. is a different so decision. That's why I, thought I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to get Lacey in here because that's a big, you know, passion of hers. So Lacey, what do you think uh, in terms of the it's a passion project, uh, the nostalgia <laughs> element or, or do you feel like fans are sort of getting over that or more importantly, do, do studios need to stop just relying on that and need to aggressively still reach fans? Yeah, I think this came up in our last discussion about basically banking on older Star Wars characters and like legacy characters. And I think that plays into this nostalgia conversation. I think the reason The Force Awakens did so good is because, first of all, it's a great movie. But second of all, because it had Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher all back again. Chewbacca, R2-D2, that's what they played up in the trailers. That's what they played up in the marketing. I think that there's something there that people were like, oh my gosh, Star Wars is back. So they truly banked on nostalgia and fan service and stuff like that. However, as time has gone on with Star Wars, and I think with other things within Disney, whether it be Toy Story or Frozen or uh, Indiana Jones, I think they've fallen too much on the, oh, well, everybody loves this character everybody's going to go because they love this character Mm -hmm. and Marvel too. And what they're starting to see is, is with everything going on, all the different content from TV shows, movies, what have you, you have to make an effort to market these things because people are picking and choosing what they're going to watch. And more of the times than not, people are choosing the things that other people are saying they're going to watch word of mouth is what Mm -hmm. people are saying. And the way that people are saying, seeing things word of mouth wise or getting buzz about things is on social media, is through marketing campaigns. The whole Barbie Oppenheimer thing started as a joke. It was like these two complete polar Mm -hmm. opposite types of movies are coming out on the same day. What an awesome double feature. That was the first thing that was said about these movies. And it turned into the meme with, you know, the purple house, pink house next to the black house on the beach. And they're like, this is what they should have done to market it. And, and nobody's happier than the people who were behind the marketing of Oppenheimer. Right. Because, because they're like, they did nothing. Dude, yeah. They did nothing. That Barbie would have done so much less if it wasn't for Barbie, Barbie. and fans connecting Correct. the two movies together to bring them both up. And I think yeah. that Barbie has shown that regardless of having a recognizable IP like Barbie, everybody knows who Barbie is. And I think there is a little bit of like, oh, I love Barbie. I'm going to go see it. 
it still came down to the majority of people that went to see it were people that were like, oh, I heard this was awesome, or people have been talking about it for weeks, so I want to be a part of that. It's the whole FOMO thing. Like They eventized oh, it, yeah. Yeah, I want to go see both these movies. Oh, I want to get dressed up. Like People were sharing pictures and talking about how they're planning their outfits for Barbie and like dressing up as Barbies. People want to feel like they're part of a community and feel like they have this sense of belonging. I mean, that's why we do this podcast with you guys and talk about Star Wars every week. That's what people ultimately want to get out of things. Right. And Barbie created that. They created that through their own cast. They created that through the marketing. And they lucked out through such good marketing, which I think the trailers really did a good job, that they generated such kind of a cultural moment around this movie that regardless whether you wanted to see it or not, you wanted to see it so that you felt like you were in the know. And I feel like Disney and Star Wars in general have not done that in a while. Like, yeah. they didn't do that for Obi-Wan. They did it a little bit for Mandalorian, I would say, probably season two more than season three. I feel like season two, like, after people got into it late, were like, oh my God, Mandalorian's back. Grogu, Baby Yoda's back. And it was like this big momentous occasion with toys and all this other stuff. And I feel like they've really decided not to do that anymore. And I know that I've read articles with execs from Disney Studios specifically talking about their plans about marketing and how they like kick it off six weeks out. They do a couple trailers, they do a premiere and they basically call it a day. Like, yeah, I feel like Barbie proved that the way you're going to get people in their butts in the seats is to think outside the box and to have your cast truly feel passionate about the project that they're doing to get people to go. Yeah, I, I agree. I 100% agree with the 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 marketing that Lucasfilm has been doing and specifically like some big whether it's Lucasfilm or not, some big movie properties are doing compared to other movies that are doing their marketing better. It's definitely like a lot of this does come down to the marketing. I just think it's interesting when we're talking about the nostalgia aspect of it. It's like Indiana Jones, will the nostalgia work? you didn't it di it didn't work it wasn't enough you needed to do more and then barbie is like will the nostalgia work it's like yes cuz they did it right i mean they 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 like they did it but they made it new that's they yeah. licensed the, the you know they made a song yeah. that was a big hit and they used the aqua's barbie girl with it because they want to associate and they used it in the trailers and stuff too it's like they wanted to bring back those feelings from the 90s and playing with the toys and all this all the angles that nostalgia package worked because they put all the pieces together. So it, I don't think Barbie, it's nostalgia. Barbie, it's just Barbie worked because they marketed it really well. And people And it's a good movie. And, using and, nostalgia. Right, and, right, but different nostalgia. Indiana Jones was put out there as all these movies have been successful. Fans have generally really enjoyed these movies. We have Harrison Ford. Oh, he's back. Yeah. We're good. Okay. We're good here. We don't even yeah. need to light his face on the poster. We're just going to put a silhouette of his face with a hat, and that's it. Like, the, the first promo pick was a side profile of Indiana Jones crossing a little wood bridge. The second poster was just him and his face, but you couldn't see his face. And it's just... 
I think they got Barbie arrogant. had great movie tie-ins too with like the different popcorn buckets that you can collect. Look, I honestly gauge could- the popularity of something based on whether my favorite grocery store, Stu Leonard's, does something. And Stu Leonard's had a Barbie cone where they made pink mm-hmm. vanilla waffle cones with pink ice cream and pink pink sprinkles. And they when they do something like that, like they do Ted Lasso shortbread biscuits, mm-hmm. if they're doing something, I know that it's hit a point of pop culture that everybody knows what it is because that's the only time they're going to do it's something reverse like that. marketing it's yeah. the movie is creating such a buzz that other brands want to capitalize yes. for themselves by doing themed tie-in things that aren't and they even want part you to post marketing. on social yeah they right. want you to post on right. social yeah like yeah. when you get to the point where fans are doing the marketing because they, they feel involved in it and they get to like pose as barbie or put their name in the barbie the box or was a genius idea the box yeah. that you get stand in in the movie theater yeah indiana jones did none of that like remember like how bad i mean the, it's on record how bad solo was marketed it's just there's there's this in so many ways i feel like lucasfilm and disney are antiquated in how their approaches to some of this stuff and it feels a little lazy honestly like barbie, it feels like they I, have nothing to lose whereas barbie was like we're going to prove why you should see They're going to have to change now. I mean, Indiana Jones yeah. should never have done that poorly. And I know the can premiering at Cannes was a mistake because it just, I don't think French critics get when Which Indiana Solo Jones also did. premiered at Cannes. Yeah. I, I, but, but I, and James, I do agree that there is nostalgia with Barbie, but like my mom grew up with Barbie and I don't think she would have been like, I'm going to go see Barbie, this new Barbie movie. Because I grew up with Barbie dolls and had Barbie ornaments. I mean, maybe not your mom, but I, I personally guarantee that was happening to an extent to a lot of people. But but the marketing of this movie is what why you're seeing this thing approach a billion dollars. But because there have been a lot of there have been a lot of movies that have come out tied to famous brands that just tank. Because right. one, been my, my point, my point is it, it clearly is the marketing, but yeah. it's the use of nostalgia. They're both using yes. nostalgia equally, but one is is trying to utilize it with good marketing, and the other one is hoping that the nostalgia alone yeah. is there. It's not that we're tired of nostalgia; it's that we need that nostalgia delivered to us properly in order to, to work, fresh. so that we're missing yeah. out. That's right. the yeah. big thing. Is once you yeah. get to the point that people feel like. I want to be a part of this. I'm going to miss out on this thing. Yeah. That's when you know you've gotten people, y- which yeah. the Oppen Barbieheimer thing was yeah. the event that weekend that everyone was like, oh, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go spend six hours in a movie theater because I want to be able to say I did this. Right. And like yeah. Top Gun Maverick uh, made a ton of money. It word of mouth. It definitely relied on nostalgia, but there was word of mouth for it. And the the way they marketed it about saying like we were all up in these planes and they did all those specials and you you saw Miles Teller talking about how he was passing out in the cockpit. There's their show. They have people talking about how physical and real this all was. Like that was all part of it because if they just put out a Top Gun two and if they didn't do much else, it wouldn't have made one point six billion dollars. It's just there's a cocktail that needs to be made and it's doing something good, uh, obviously, getting good word of mouth, doing excellent marketing, getting your stars out there in the faces of the people. And the, you can't any you I think they finally mm-hmm. you, I hope that they finally realize you can't just say, remember this. Come back again one more time. Yeah, I think honestly, one of uh, the best things for Barbie was the cast because they were so into it. And even further than that, 
they all took on the role from the moment they started the press tour stuff. Like Ryan Gosling was wearing pink everywhere he went. Margot Ryan Robbie, Gosling's amazing. He was yeah. great. He's for always the Blade good. Runner with Harrison Ford. The, I yeah. mean, the marketing specifically, like when he's doing. No, that movie made no money, but yeah, <laughs> I, I know. But his like his his interactions with him, and then before that, there was the um, man, he's very charming. Uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah. They did stuff for the, nice uh, guys. for yeah. nice guys. They, it was so good. Like yeah. he's awesome as a as a person to be your buddy on a yeah. on a tour like that. Yeah, but I just think Barbie created such an event around it. Um, through all the different aspects, I think one of the most brilliant things that they did was every event Margot Robbie went to, she dressed as a different Barbie. Yep. So that you were paying attention to like which Barbie is she going to be today? What Collect Barbie them all. Is she? Right. And she was wearing all the different. Yeah, yeah. She always looked amazing. She always does because she's gorgeous. Yeah. But yeah, she had a different Barbie outfit, which then encouraged others to dress up too. So you yeah. saw entertainment journalists being Barbies. You yep. saw um, the, the whole announcement of Barbie where they came out with that social media campaign where you put your own picture in the graphic and say, this right. Barbie is blank. Yeah. They made it so shareable. So community-based that you wanted to be a part of it and i think that that's what's missing with lucasfilm disney is like people are seeing these movies and shows for star wars as transactions as i'm gonna go watch this i'm gonna go talk about it and then i'm never gonna talk about it again barbie yeah. is still remaining strong because they've created this thing around it where it's like people are like oh i'm making this my personality like some people really have they really enjoy barbie and they talk about it and they're dressing 100%. in pink and they're having fun and they pick and chose picked and ch choose different brands and stuff to work with that like James was saying accentuated the nostalgia in a way that was new and creative but also was like oh my god I remember having something right. like that when I was little yeah yeah 100% it's interesting what the what they're going to do going forward I think I think I think Indiana Jones had to have been a wake up call because you got I can't believe that movie with time. Harrison Ford. Yeah. You got the greatest movie star of all time. The movie was actually very good. Um, it's it, clearly the last one. So it's like, come see Indiana Jones for the last time. And it's made $350 million. Uh, it's just Which crazy. Which is currently so, sitting less than Solo. It might yeah. beat it, but Solo made more money than Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's 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 a bummer. And I hope it's a wake up call because, again, we want the stuff to succeed because we love it. And so I hope they whatever they got to do to get with the times. Same with same thing with the Yankees. But oh, my God, I could do a whole episode on Barbie marketing. They killed yeah. it. They yeah. it is. People have been saying it in the chat and I totally what? agree. It was a masterclass in marketing what? and social media marketing, digital it marketing have to be soon. Maybe just do something for the channel one day and maybe do a I special will. video about it. Although yeah. I have to laugh, people are giving John a hard time at our reaction to the Barbie trailer video on YouTube where people are like, see, John, you made so much money, you're an idiot. But that's not fair because I said this. <laughs> this is what I said. I, said, I just movie... laugh because I know that you definitely didn't come from a place of like, I want this movie to fail. No. But it's just funny when people are like, John, you're so They don't wrong. know the backstory. You, you were like, <laughs> let's do a reaction to Barbie trailer like five minutes before we did it. And I was like, I, oh, God. All but right. I was so hyped. I'm still hyped. I haven't so seen it yet, guys. What I'm I said still... was, and I was wrong apparently about this part. I said, this movie looks like it's going to be terrible, but it's going to make a ton of money. And <laughs> it's making a ton of money, but it's, apparently it's good. So that's cool. 
I do want to say something really quick. Someone in the comments said this. John Mitchell. What up, John? Thanks for the chat. He said, Lacey, how much money a movie makes doesn't validate as the best movie ever. I agree 100%. And I'm sorry if that came across me saying that. I don't think that at all. Many of my favorite movies are movies that didn't even release in the movie theater. And no one saw them. So I don't think that's the case. I also just have a passion for really good marketing and and really good money spent well to then create a successful campaign. So I think there is correlation there when you have a successful marketing campaign that a movie success is also based on that. I do believe that Barbie's done so well because of the marketing, but also because it's a very good movie. Absolutely. If it wasn't a good nobody would see it the number one metric for a movie in hollywood is always how much money did it make and that determines whether the conversation is around whether it was a success or not there are other metrics of success obviously like i don't really care like if the movie is good i made a good movie that's all i really want to do but no director or producer is going to be happy when they made a really good movie and they lost a ton of money for their studio because it just means their career is in jeopardy. You know, mm-hmm. they have to do both. Um, and probably first and foremost, they need that thing to make money so that they can maybe get a bigger budget for the next one, you know, or whatever yeah. uh, to make the movies that they want that are good. But John, yeah, maybe we should go get some Barbie Barbie what? Barbie cones, Barbie ice cream uh, cones. What is, is it? Oh, yeah, I'm down. Let's do that. Stu Leonard. If bar- if pink, yeah. it, what's your Stu Leonard flavor? should like sponsor the podcast <laughs> drop their name all the is time. It, I, I'll, I'll accept that for sure. Is it is it strawberry ice cream? It's strawberry ice cream in a vanilla pink ice cream cone with pink sprinkles. Are you talking about Sounds Cold good. Stone? Stu Leonard's, James. Oh, I what? thought you said that. But, I'm but, all about pink. But, right. uh... Uh, Coldstone has a Barbie one that is yeah, cotton I saw candy that in the cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, the yeah, cake yeah, yeah. Cake. And I, I we went there just recently for my nephew's birthday, and I was so close to getting it, and I was like, nah. But I think actually now that I'm reminded, I think we're just gonna go get it without there needing to be an occasion because I love cotton candy ice cream. Well, there I you just go. think it's I, I'm a sucker for promotional stuff, so like. I was just like, oh, that's so creative. I have to get one just to like reward them for doing this really fun tie-in that has nothing to do with the movie. And they just did it because everyone's talking about Barbie. I like the variations. You guys know that. Like I, I want to try all the different Doritos or try all the different Mountain Dews or whatever it is. Uh, Tom says, TRB t-shirt, Barbie ride the wave. John actually had one earlier in our, we recorded our Patreon poll chat, which is coming out later early next week and he had an idea for a t-shirt great idea for a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> Almost as um as but yeah no these conversations are just fun to have uh i can yeah, talk forever yeah. about i could tell you so many examples of like really good marketing and i have folders on my computer of like me screenshotting stuff that's like really cool i'm like that person so we want we well two things we obviously we want this stuff to succeed so we hope that they learn lessons from movies that are marketed well and yeah. and we didn't want to do this conversation on monday when lacy isn't here so she's not like ah, i want to contribute to this conversation so we had to have this chat right well i like that someone said we need pink make solo to happen shirts no i appreciate that that you had this conversation today because i do like marketing um, but yeah, no, we could definitely have a full discussion on Star Wars marketing, what worked, what doesn't work, what could have worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
we have one more super chat and then uh, we can close out. So, Chris, what up, Chris? Where's my Han Solo? Missed you, bud. He said, thank you for the super chat. He said, hi, TRB. Glad I can't sleep and watch live this time. Loving the spice, LOL. <laughs> you always love the spice, Chris. Wait till you see the poll chat. Yeah, the poll chat. <laughs> oh, I could talk hours with you about the previous topics. May the force I be I know you can. Chris, you are a joy to listen to because I know you're always going to give me the straightforward, blunt truth of whatever is going on. So thank you for the super chat. Uh, we really appreciate it. Also, thank you to everybody that gave us super chats tonight. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And yes, thank you to everybody for listening and watching and just being a part of TRB in, in any capacity. Um, we know, like we said at the top, things are a little strange and we're still going week to week in terms of keeping our eye on the strikes. And, you know, we've had conversations with the um, SAG in terms of like podcasts and podcasts. Yeah, they that changed the rules podcasts. again. I just yeah. saw today they changed the rules again and a bunch of podcasts are now on hiatus because they changed the rules again about past work. Right. So. Right. Now they responded to us, but they, they had asked me not to share it publicly. So sure. I, if you are a podcaster, their emails right there on their site, you can email them and talk to give them your situation. And they'll give you what, you know, their wishes are They are, We're not beholden to anything. We're not a part of the unions, but we do. But we're trying to going on. Yeah, yeah. So we want to do right by them. So we're taking it week by week. So the reason why I'm saying that is it is, rocky times and i know we have a star wars show coming out in a few weeks we just appreciate everyone sticking by us because we put a lot of heart and a lot of time away from our families into this show and people who've been standing by us and still listening watching and supporting us as we're trying to uh go through these choppy waters it means a great deal to the three of us so thank you um and a very special thank you to our uh, patreon generals and spice runners who help us keep the light on in the base uh carmelo john reese Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Chris Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Bren McLaughlin, Count Pepto. Saw him in the chat. Sneaky Zebra, Aaron Ellington, Colin Cormier, Jolton Jedi, DiMaggio, Diana, also in the chat. Dave Hornack. Uh, Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the Fort Worthian. And uh, all of our patrons, thank you so much for all your support. It means so much to us. Uh, you have no idea. Um, and make sure you're subscribed to the show everywhere and keep spreading the word. Cause like we were saying about marketing, spreading the word about our podcast is huge and it, it brings, uh, us to new ears. So we appreciate that. Uh, for me, Johnny Hoey on X, oh God, Twitter, uh, threads, <laughs> blue sky, uh, and my movie pod, <laughs> just like the movies. Um, we have, uh, our Titanic episode out, uh, speaking of things that are sinking, um, James, how about you? Uh, both Instagram and X. Uh, ju I just noticed now we might have to change our little like logo there in the bottom. Never, never, use. never, ever. <laughs> they had to take down their is. sign on the top of their building in San Francisco. We don't take down. No. Never. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you still about, go to the website. Talking about marketing your product. Good or yeah. bad. Terrible. <laughs> someone, someone was pointing out how the, the home button is still a birdhouse, and they don't think that Elon has realized that. You, you go to Twitter, it's still twitter.com slash home. It's, yeah. Yeah. I guys, mean, yeah. let me go it, into... They're, they're gonna I, go, all, I can go into many a tale about why all of this is a terrible idea, including losing billions of dollars in market research and brand reputation. Look, if people yeah. know me well, they know I'm a huge Fran Drescher fan. So I'm supporting everything that she does in this fight. 
Uh, Lacey, where are you at on social meds? Wait, what? What does it have to We're do with this? About... Oh, I'm just He's talking just about uh, strikes. Oh, going back circling back. Yeah. yeah, circling back. Um, uh, fight against AI. <laughs> <the Yeah>. fight. <laughs> I mean, it's scary, man. It's scary AI is a crazy conversation to have. That's a whole nother episode. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gilleran, also on Blue Sky and Threads. Sometimes there's a lot <laughs> to post on now. Um, and on TikTok at It's Lacey Gilleran. And here uh, for the time being on the live shows on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And our uh, Patreon exclusive content. Correct. At patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Um, tier store, just five bucks a month. Um, all right. So we'll <laughs> be back. Me and James will be back with you on Monday. We're actually going to have a chat on which movie from each trilogy is the most rewatchable. So it should be an interesting chat. Uh, But we hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Uh, Be well. And as always, we'll see you next time right here on the Resistance Broadcast. See you around, kids. Bye.